Kia ora, I'm Jane. And I'm Sophie. Welcome to A TARDIS of One's Own. A queer feminist journey through time and space and new who. Welcome, Sophie, to my bedroom. <laughs> uh, today we are um, TARDIS of One's Own on tour. Yeah, on location, <laughs> if you will. No, we were working from home today, so we uh, gathered in my new house, which is fine. But yeah. And it's conveniently close to my house. It is. Yeah. But we're unsure about how the acoustics are going to go, so Uh, bear with us for this um, episode. Give us feedback too, because we'll listen back to this bit. It might sound weird through all the podcast mediums, lol. Everyone's like (laughs) thousands of listeners. Um, (laughs) So yeah, drop us an email. Um, I think six is a sample size. Yeah, exactly. It's fine. (laughs) All right, great. Well, how's your week been? God, when did we last record? Was it a week ago? No, two you did weeks. An extra one. Oh, and no, was it two weeks? No, because last week was moving week. That's Christ, right. Yes. Where's my life gone? Um, <laughs> I don't know. How? So I had a long weekend last weekend, um, mm-hmm. which was nice, but never long enough. Never long enough. No. Um, I've just I'm just tired, and I think there's a lot of like COVID's having a bit of a resurgence in Wellington. There's a lot of like loneliness around, and there has been for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, end of the year which we talked about a lot like low energy mm-hmm. but uh, maybe i just need like like it's like a mental break you know like it's mo- this is more than like a physical tiredness because i've been sleeping a bit shit and then i'm sleeping a bit better and then that's not helping not being consistently good sleeps but also it's not like bad sleeps i don't know just exhaustion the yeah. body is tired on yeah. every level mentally physically spiritually Yes. Emotionally. And work is getting in the way of me just like living Chill my life. Absolutely. You know, I just want to like not have to work and then I could go to the gym or like do a nice yoga class. I could take my book, go sit in the sun, get all my life admin done. And I wouldn't have to like try and cram it all around a 40, I mean, well, optimistically 40 hour work week, more 30 something hour work week. I'm aware of my privilege crushing mm-hmm, myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm the same. But it doesn't make my experience any less valid, I think. And I'm kind of sitting with that. I'm like, it's okay. It's okay to know that I'm super fucking privileged. And these are small problems compared to other people's problems. But, but they're still problems. They're still my problems. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Problems are still valid. Yeah. No, yeah. So other than that, pretty good. How are you? Yeah. I mean, I've completely lost track of time. Last week feels like a lifetime ago. Yeah. An actual lifetime ago obviously moved house which was stressful living in wellington you know my last house had 70 stairs up to it so that was a lot of climbing up and down which i would not recommend to anyone but you know movers are incredible and if you live in wellington i highly recommend getting some when you move house because no thank you it's ridiculous but yeah so it's just like eight five days of my life and now i can't remember what i did before that or where everything was and yeah i've been forced to return to the work work event that went up when we last recorded was causing major dramas so that actually happened last monday and it went off without a hitch but i couldn't help but stand there looking around this hall thinking this hour and a half long event was it worth the suffering that i endured for six to eight weeks i'm gonna go with no like so no like so and the mental physical emotional (laughs) cost no, not at all. And those fuckers in that room, they didn't get no, they're just like, no, this is fine, have a bit of cake. Didn't but even eat the cake. No, we chopped it up so well. And there's just so many boring white men, they literally just look like copy yeah. and pastes of each other. It doesn't instill you with confidence for the future if it's still that bland and copy and paste. Mate, it's just a waiting game, they're gonna die off. Um, but yeah, like, 
It was. They're, I mean, I think they all wear the same suit as well. That's I think some, one of our partners actually said that to me at the event. He was like, yeah, you know, this is just an old school way of thinking, but they'll be dead soon, so don't worry about it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that's cheerful. <laughs> um, cool. Well, on that note, shall Ooh. I uh, do our episode summary? Yeah, mate, crack into it. So we had a double episode this week, The Impossible Planet and The Satan Pit. So in this episode, series, whatever, arc, the Doctor and Rose become stranded on a planet orbiting a black hole where they find a human expedition crew and their servants, the Ood, being terrorised by the devil. The Doctor risks his life to investigate the pit and is forced to make a terrible decision while Rose and the crew fend for their lives against the Legion of the Beast. So, yet again, no memory of this at all. Really? Like, not weird, like... Surreal, yeah, and like a different tone, and yeah, I was expecting it before we got to the end. You know, the kind of like devilly haunted beast imagery stuff, and before the end, I was expecting like a you know last minute like actually it's this sneaky alien that's projecting what he thinks human spheres are onto a Cristiano based, and it's like no, actually it's exists before time, and it's this like uh, devil that is the basis of all bad things. I yeah. was like, oh, see, you know. I had a vague memory of not liking this episode back oh, when I first watched it. I thought it was a bit like, eh. like the tone is so different to the rest of the season. I think I thought it was a bit out of place. But mm. rewatching it for this, I actually really liked it. I think it asks mm. some really interesting questions as like agnostic questions. Mm. A show that is agnostic to push mm. this barrier and also like to push the doctor into a space where you know he doesn't know what's going on. He doesn't have the answers. He's so often the man with all the answers. And I love that at the end of it, he's kind of like, oh, well, I don't know what that was about, but let's just carry on anyway. I think that's quite aspirational. No, exactly. And so that's a nice segue into, so it's my pick for discussion topic. Mm-hmm. Um, the point you just made then very nearly was my pick. Mm. This idea of not knowing. Yeah. Of the fact that they get there and the archaic language is beyond the TARDIS's knowledge. Like it's way beyond the doctor's knowledge. And he's like, that's not good if the TARDIS doesn't know what's up. Mm. Like it's before time, like which mm. he really, from a, relatively scientific in the world of Doctor Who science struggles to understand because he's like, if this is so outside his ken, he just yeah. doesn't make these yeah. like make head nor tails of it. And I was like, that's really cool, but I'm sure that will come up again, mm. I thought. So instead what I went with Ooh, Should we do the big test? Oh sorry, sorry. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Um So I think I yes. Th- oh. I don't know. I was thinking no, but then did Ida and Yeah wi- the who, who the turned, one- the, from The Witcher. Yes. She's the one in The Witcher. Yeah. Um, Scooty, Shooty. They have something. a conversation, right? And then she and dies. she's named. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So maybe if they chat, I can't remember. Yeah, I they think chat. they do at the start, but when, you know, the, the alarms are going off and everything. Yeah, and she's like, do you do this thing. It's very transactional. It is transactional, um, yes. But then they somehow manage to keep Rose completely away from Ida. Mm. Oh, there's a female appearing security guard who has no lines and dies. Always. Um, yeah, right, love that. So other than that, I mean, it's, it's a marginal. Just Ida and yeah. Rose and the app, right? Like, yeah. because other one dies quite early on. Third are female. Mm. Yeah, I mean, like, technically, but, like, the spirit of it is, yet again, like, dudes doing dudes things. Yeah. Okay, cool. So, back to your discussion question. Oh, yeah, sorry. So then the, the topic I landed on is this idea of bad influence or negative influence. Mm-hmm. Coming from the episode, obviously, there's what turns out to be the devil. Let's say the devil for want of a better description, but the devil in this pit. And he is kind of infiltrating the minds of the Ood, the humans in the sanctuary base and causing them to do things, you know, preying on their their fears and influencing in a bad way. And then I was like, okay, well, how, how and when is that concept kind of weaponized mm-hmm. against... 
women and queer people and minority groups to be like, you're a bad influence because you're thinking outside of what other people would think is the norm. Which I recognise is like a lateral step from the devil is objectively not doing nice things. Mm -hmm. But it's that same, it's that same principle, I thought, so. Yeah, it's interesting. I kind of love that you brought up this topic because I have been described in my youth as a bad influence on some of my friends who perhaps have more conservative families. I think it's because... I like to think that I give my friends a bit of a safe space where they can be who they are and I'm not going to judge them and I'm going to help them be the best version of themselves they can mm. be. But often when you live in a society that expects you to behave a certain way or look a certain way, encouraging people to break out of those boundaries is not necessarily considered positive. And even though, you know, I'm a total nerd, it's not like I'm a bad influence. We're not breaking into houses or anything like, you know, but still, if you lead someone off the conventional path, then you're considered a bad influence. And like, I've often been a problem child at work. I take quite a lot of pride in being a problem child because if I'm conforming, then I'm sorry. The, the the system in charge is problematic, so I will be a problem child. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I've witnessed you being a problem child and I love it. Yeah, never stop. <laughs> uh, it's fantastic. Yeah, cool. Awesome. Thank you for sharing that. I think, yeah, I've had maybe less, slightly lesser of an experience, but definitely had that feedback, especially in a work context. Mm. And it can get couched as like, oh, you know, maybe give other people space to have their views, which is true, but the way that that's always been delivered to me is like, be quiet. You're steamrolling. <laughs> yeah, or more like, sometimes I get called too direct. Yeah. Um, or someone once said to me like, oh, I know that you think quickly. And I was like, how is this going to turn into an insult? Because I feel like it's turning into an insult. And he was like, but recognise that other people don't, which absolutely take that on board. But then went on to be like, so you need to just like share your thoughts with us. It's interesting because when you get that feedback often, you know, like you need to remember that other people have thoughts and they're not, you're not giving them the opportunity to share. A lot of people, especially in our line of work, are not comfortable sharing their thoughts. And yep. so often when I kick off about something, someone will say to me afterwards, thank you so much for raising that yeah. because it bothers them too, but they're never going to say it. They're never going to own up to it. And that's fine. I don't judge, like I don't begrudge them that I'm happy to be the scapegoat for a yeah, cause yeah, that yeah. I believe in. Like, I don't really care. Mm. I don't care about being liked at all. <laughs> but it's interesting when higher-ups view that kind of quietness as agreement. Oh, 100%. And Silence then, is not yeah. agreement. And then they think yeah. just because you're the one speaking out, you're the only one who has that view. And I'm like, no, other people agree with me. They just don't want to raise it. And that's fine. Yep. Yeah, interesting. <sighs> yeah, no, it really is. And yeah, kind of in a Doctor Who context again, like, a point in this episode, but also just kind of generally, the Doctor is often a bad influence. Mm. He makes questionable fucking decisions. And then people have to, like, deal with that or cope with that or roll with it. And then things turn out largely fine because Doctor Who. But it could easily not have. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of the time. Like, in this episode, towards the end, he makes that decision to cut the rope mm -hmm. and fall down into the pit. Um, of despair. Yeah, the pit of despair. Also, I can't help thinking about Leslie Nope from Parks and Rec when she pulls into Tumbling the pit. Tumbling into the pit. Or Andy's song, you know. <laughs> <laughs> the pit. Uh, yeah, so he does that. And I think at that point, somehow, 10 miles into the, this planet, he hears the rocket that Rose is leaving on. So there's many tenuous science moments in this episode. I will come back to them. And so he, we think that he thinks, like, Rose is safe. So it's okay for me to, like, cut the cord. But still, he's leaving Ida to die alone. Yeah. Like, he could have got winched back up. He could have just kept her company. Like, she was weeping, mm. terrified of dying. She actually says she doesn't want to die alone. And he's like, nope. 
gotta fall into the pit. I think that speaks to the doctor's urge to always run away. Like he ran away mm. from Gallifrey. He ran. He's always running away. Like we've yep. said before, he doesn't face the consequences. He doesn't stay to watch what mm. happens afterwards. And this is a classic example of it. You know, he sees this thing with Ida, and he's like, actually. I'm not dealing with this. Goodbye. Literally cutting himself out of her life. And that's what I kind of love about these two episodes as well, because there's such a good character study of Tin's character. Mm -hmm. Like he is really pushed beyond his comfort zone. And so we see these tenants of what make him who he is. And even Rose in a way, like, you know, when they're separated and she thinks he's dead or whatever, you know, she's forced to stand on her own. Yeah. But to come back to that point of him being a bad influence, I think if you view it from a certain point of view, like from Jackie's point of view, he's the worst influence in Rose's life. He's dragged her off on this adventure around time and space where he can't guarantee her safety. And then like here, they're so blasé about everything they do at this point. They're so arrogant Mm. in their ability to think that they're going to come out of everything all right. Like they just swan out of the TARDIS. And then of course they immediately lose it because you have to lose the TARDIS for there to be any kind of tension (laughs) but then they're faced with that thing where he's like oh you know shit i fucked up i've lost my tardis i've lost my oldest friend and i've now stranded rose here not just in the future but on this fucking weird planet that's orbiting well not even a planet is it a planet yeah they're on a planet yeah but that's like you know just because of this weird gravity thing that at that point they can't understand it's like locked in orbit outside a black hole yeah that's right so there's like this weird planet where they can't even get off you know there's like a limited amount of escape from this place so he's stranded her there and he really has to deal with that which i think is fascinating and it's a bad influence like totally but also like how wrong that must feel from like he's a time lord right so for them it's all about making sure that everything in time and space is following a certain order which you know he's a rebel that's kind of why he ran away because he chafed against that Mm. that sense of order and structure but to be on this planet that's very existence feels wrong to him yeah you know there's something fundamentally he can't get his head around it yeah and he doesn't like it i do think you make a great point there about their attitude like they don't even explain who they are no like they just kind of come out of nowhere doing their thing and everyone's like it's impossible you can't be there and they're like we're here and they're Uh, just like kind of smug and smirky about it the whole thing yeah i know and even when i think eventually by the end of it like shit has dawned on both of them that things were bad and obviously we have at the end this deus ex machina that we're always going to get mm-hmm. he literally stumbles upon the TARDIS <laughs> and is saved the, star- the TARDIS is conveniently in, the in the pit <laughs> yeah in the pit, in the pit. But, but like a- <laughs> Andy oh. <laughs> um, but fuck Jen sorry no sorry, sorry 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 um, the TARDIS pristine condition yeah, in the yeah. pit Look, so in the pit no but beyond that like earlier than that even you know shit's bad they realize like they've lost the TARDIS they sit down and have this bizarre conversation about them being like okay well we're just gonna have to like eventually find a way to escape this planet and then we'll just settle down somewhere and then it's getting suddenly very domestic and quite romantic and you know they make a joke about getting a mortgage Mm. and then she's been like well maybe we could get a mortgage together and he's very like oh and it's like oh yeah again he's interested it's interesting just to run from that though yeah he's like leap he could never stay in one place. No. Even if he stopped his ability to travel through time. Like, he just couldn't do it. And I think Rose has still unrealistic expectations of who he is. I mean, that's really interesting. I think in a way, this episode, we see how incompatible they are. Like, they mm. often played off as they have this really great connection and, you know, their unspoken bond. And, mm. you know, he even says in this, oh, you know, tell her, tell her, oh, she knows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and you, we're supposed to believe that they've got this bond, but fundamentally they approach life very differently. Yeah. The way they view the world is very different. And I think as a couple, you can overcome a lot of things, but if you don't mm-hmm. have the same core values, that's never going to work long term. Yeah, and I think everything is done on his terms too. 
there's greater or lesser moments that Rose shows some agency, but it's typically outside of the Doctor. Mm. Like, she'll be left alone and suddenly she works something out. That happens in this episode, towards the end, when they're on the rocket and they're leaving, and Toby does his final, like, you know, what is he, body snatched by the devil? Influenced by the devil. (laughs) And, like, he's, like, playing the long game. Like, he wanted them to get off the planet. And then he's, like, deviling out inside the thing. And she very resourcefully... You know, is it Chekhov's gun? Which yeah. is like, never show us a gun unless you're gonna fire it. And like, we saw that fucking bolt gun with one bolt in it within like five minutes in. And it's like, that bolt's going off at some point. So, which, she, yeah, <laughs> science, bad science there as no, well. It's very I'm bad like, science. Mm, why is so she, But she takes action. And like, the captain is fully occupied, like, trying to fucking pilot the thing. She takes action and saves them. And Ethics Danny is just in the corner, just wailing. Like, <laughs> so. Like, she, you know, she can, in a sticky situation, take control, and she does this. And But you're right that she only ever gets the opportunity when she's not with the Doctor. Yeah. It's like, he just sucks all the air out of the room. Like, yeah. if she is with him, she's not in control. She literally, like, in that Rainer episode, will stand and wait for him to do something with the sonic screwdriver. <laughs> but if it's just her and Mickey, if it's just her on her own, if it's her with other randoms, like... Yeah, she'll take charge. Yeah. Mm. But... Mm. Bad influence. Uh, let's discuss the Ood. Oh, God. So... In the context of the bad influence theme, so they're getting influenced by the devil thing as well. But also there's this weird, I don't know how to describe it best, I'm sure like in psychology there's like terms of when you kind of have a collective thought and then it kind of becomes normalised as okay. Mm. So like this collective thought amongst this batch of humans is that the Ood are totally cool as slaves. They're happy. They're happy, they need to serve, otherwise they would die. And so Rose comes into that as like the every person with, you know, seemingly our... Mm. current modern ethics of like that's not okay and that stands out in relief that they're just like oh they don't even have any feelings <laughs> yeah but it's like this is really horrible it's like the help yeah. selves in harry potter it's kind of like yeah. this is why they're here like they love to serve us freeing them would be a cruelty some socks food <laughs> food the I'm- beginning bit when they look like they're threatening but actually they're like offering food and yeah i don't know it's they went to a lot of effort in the prosthetics department Mm. To make a lot of them, to have them as like I don't know, it's again, it's a different tone episode. Like they're mm. not the scary thing. No, like, but it's almost a bait and switch because you almost yeah. when you get into the episode, you think they're the scary yeah, thing, yeah. right? Because they have the sinister quality, and they do get possessed, which does turn them quite sinister. Yeah, but they're not the big bad. The big bad was inside us all along, basically. Oh, and just before I forget, sorry, I've gone very manual with notes for the benefit of the listeners, and that's why my thoughts are very disordered, because I didn't type them up, because I don't have a printer at home. Uh, because we are millennials. Yeah, so obviously we normally type them up and print at work, like normal people. And record at work, <laughs> yeah, because exactly. do it on the man's dime. Yeah, basically. So, yes, yeah, so we talked about that, that kind of idea of, like, typically somebody who is female presenting or female identifying, who is kind of challenging... You know, you might get that, oh, you're a bad influence on people, like, be quiet, you know, don't rock the boat, like that mm. kind of thing. But I know, I remember a few episodes ago, you talked about this in context with, like, the kind of LGBTQ space, how we've heard it a lot coming out of America, this, like, right-wing narrative of grooming. Mm-hmm. So it's like, if you're just teaching anything that's LGBT to children especially then it's like, oh, you're grooming with this gay agenda. Yeah, 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 yeah. Rather than, you know, if you were talking about this is het couples is just information yeah so this concept of like if you are anything other than what they think is normal then you are a bad influence yeah yep and you have a alternate like a nefarious agenda not just even yeah. an alternative agenda it's something that's a corrupting influence yeah. like you're making the kids gay yeah 
was your drag brunches. Sure. So fucking weird. Yeah. Tell me you've never been to drag brunch without telling me you've never been to drag brunch. So you opened our discussion here talking about that kind of agnostic vibe. And I think that sometimes Doctor Who might even go like quite atheist. Mm. Like we can rely on it often to kind of bring it back from that spiritual space. But that there's like a lot of really kind of Christian biblical imagery here, discussion, mm. you know, like I think when they pit, open the pit and it's like, I am the temptation. Yeah. I think the reason I think of it as agnostic rather than atheist is because the doctor doesn't really deny or deride religion. Mm. Like he doesn't mind other people having faith unless it's harming others, right? He's always very accepting of people just believing what they do, even if he doesn't believe in it himself, which I don't think... Yeah, Atheism true. really allows for... There's maybe not that necessarily that space there. That's a good point. Like, he asks Ida about her faith. Mm. And she's like, oh, I was raised something, something because of my mum, but I don't believe. Yeah. Like, I think he always comes sceptically to things. He doubts that anything supernatural, paranormal really exists until he sees proof for it. And mm. usually Doctor Who will have a scientific explanation for it. But I love that he concedes that there are some things he actually just doesn't know. And that's why he travels, to learn. Like, that's what compels him to get more information because he doesn't understand everything. And I kind of love the idea that, you know, the show doesn't say that this is the devil or that there is a a Christian, Mm. from the Christian faith, a devil. There's just the idea that there's this force that exists that they don't understand that could have informed all these religions, that could have been the basis, the the Mm. creation myth of so many things. But you don't know what the actual... No, the, the or that it's this, that like, is. it's like, the evil to the light. It's yeah. the dark against that. And it could yeah. be an alien life form that has existed for years and years and years. Like, that doesn't mm. stop it from being the devil in a Christian context, right? Because that's no. the way they've interpreted it. Which I find fascinating. It would actually make even more sense if the devil was actually a real thing, rather than just, like, right. the boogie yeah. man. Mm. Yeah. Dude, so interesting. Which is why I really enjoyed these episodes, because I'm like, wow, this is asking some big, like, Mm. theological, philosophical questions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, definitely. Including about slavery. (laughs) Yeah. I know. So obviously I do want to acknowledge that I could have gone down the servitude discussion topic. Yeah. And I mean, I don't even have the, I personally don't have the bandwidth to discuss it right now, but also do not have the knowledge. Yeah, no. Um, That's not my place. So, yeah. Fair enough. Uh, Big I like the kind of traditional opening of this episode and like a hark back to kind of more older school sci-fi TV where it's like, here's the ship. I mean, it's not a ship, it's a base, but Mm. like, here's the captain, here's the science officer, here's the archaeology man. (laughs) Yeah, I think it's a great, you know, it's like a classic kind of locked room mystery, but it's a space station, limited amount of crew members, Yeah, classic kind of sci-fi story that, you know, it's a Star Mm -hmm. Trek kind of vibe, but it's also kind of horror. Like, it's Mm. got some great horror tropes in there, too. No, 100%. So, um, I put that in my random observations section, but it is a very scary devil. Mm. This is a kid's TV show. Yeah, this would have terrified me as a small child. Yeah, not as an adult, currently. Yeah. (laughs) Like, so I notoriously cannot deal with jump scares in any way, shape, or form. I don't mind horror in terms of gore, but I think I can watch Doctor Who because I know there's very very limited jump scares like mm. it just doesn't do that but sometimes there's scary looking stuff yeah yeah and also just creepy like i think in this it's done mm. a really good job of setting the tone this episode so there's a real sense of loneliness a real sense of isolation and when the doctor and rose lose the tardis the doctor in particular it's quite despairing mm. so you get that vibe like this these are people who are really at their end of their rope and you know that scene where toby starts hearing the voices and he's looking around and he doesn't see anything and then it's stuck all over his arms yeah like, yeah The idea of losing autonomy is always kind of terrifying. Yeah. So I think it does a really good job of building tension and that's what causes 
the fear like and that is what all that kind of psychological paranoia is what makes good horror and i think yeah. that's what really comes through in this episode and even when you know they get separated and when the poor girl gets yeeted into space and that was quite a grim image of her just floating above them yep yeah 100 she's 100 dead like just floating up there yeah, I think that point around blurring your control and lack of control and autonomy is a really good point. So when Toby first gets influenced, he's just hears the voices. And then he starts getting the writing on his hand or on his face. And then he does the wacky thing when he goes outside and ends up killing the girl. Mm. But then he comes back in and it seems to go away from him. Mm. Or at least he seems to be there because he's useless for a good 20 minutes there. And that he's just sitting on the floor like doing a full Lady Macbeth, yeah. <laughs> staring at his hands. Um, but then... You know, the, the line between Toby and the devil thing stops yeah. existing because by the time he's on the rocket and he's still, he's full devil influenced, he's letting that plan happen, but he still looks Toby mode. Yeah, and I think you yeah. see that in that moment when he's in the, sh- the shaft or whatever they're in, air duct with the ood and the ood are like closing in on him. Yeah. And he turns to them and he puts his finger to his mouth, you know, and he's got the red eyes and he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then yeah, he pretends sure. to be yeah. Toby and it's like, wow, okay, yeah. so the devil is actually, because there's that moment where you think, oh, he's been possessed and now he's been let go. He's okay, yeah. But actually, the devil he's been possessed the whole time yeah you know he's been dead the whole time he's, yeah he's a soft puppet yeah that's true because we never get toby back like yeah they have to kill like him he's only pretending yeah yeah which makes mm. it okay that rose yeets him out the window because there's no saving him right yeah because like, yeah. otherwise it'll be like rose should have reasoned with him yeah which we you've made this point before the there's often especially coming from the doctor a strong streak of no mercy yeah like if there's an opportunity to kind of be like nope <laughs> You're dead. Like, it'll happen. Yeah. Rather than a kind of, no, but can we save them with some, like, dodgy science? No. No. Just yeah. straight up. Yeah. Which I do appreciate in that it's less faffing around. I mean, I think yeah. I would be the same, to be fair. Yeah. <laughs> Put in that situation. Yeah, I think you said this just before, like, the Doctor's kind of journey in this episode is really interesting. Mm. He does that whole, you know, big self-reflection piece where he says, you know, he's talking about, like, you know, stuff doesn't have to fit my rules. Mm. Like, that there is so much that exists outside of what he knows. And he, you know, can be proved wrong. I think it's a really good humbling for them. For yeah. him, particularly, but for both of them in this situation. Because they have been, we said it in the Idiot's Lantern, they've been getting quite arrogant and quite, like, blasé yeah, yeah, about the threats yeah. that they face and the assumption that they will get out of it. You know, they make jokes about everything. So I think yep. this is quite a good way for them to come back to Earth. And I think the Doctor having his beliefs challenged is good for him as well. Because his faith is kind of called into question, right? Like, his faith... And science, the very existence mm. of this planet, is a challenge to him. And yeah, like he, you know, he doesn't believe in predetermined destinies, or he himself yeah. is not a, a religious or faith person. But yeah, he, he's always like taking fate into his own hands. The same way he cuts the rope, he's kind of like, yeah, YOLO, <laughs> let's see what happens. But yeah, I kind of just love that he's just happy at the end to get back in the TARDIS and continue his adventures and be like, oh well, guess yeah. what? I never know. Yeah, which, like, cool. Like, recognize your limits. Sit with that. Yeah. Mm. A lot of people can't do that. So I think that is a quality, mm. a tick in his favor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. I think so too. I agree. I think there's an interesting line here, and it's going to come up in a lot of episodes, it has done already, where in the face of what looks like quite complete peril, Rose will still try and hang on to saving the doctor or waiting for the doctor or the cost of her survival yeah and it's like that's not cool fundamentally right yeah i think yeah, yeah. she's always waiting right like she waits till the last possible minute and it's you kind of have to bank on the fact that he can look after himself like he's older than you yeah. he can regenerate you know yeah. just go and just he, trust that he he'll... knows so much more than you about everything 
Yeah. You can just leave them. It doesn't matter. Yeah. And like, because they have to manhandle her onto a rocket. The men have to manhandle her on the rocket at the end because she won't go. And like, what were you going to do? Just stay there on the odd chance yeah. that he survives? And there's no, no exactly. other way off this planet. You, uh, for then certain death for yourself. Yeah, I know. And then that sucks a bit because it's like you're just making her this kind of husk waiting for the doctor. Yeah. At the you know, price of which is her own personal well-being and safety. So, yeah. But then also, again, like you say, they're trying to make this bond. They're trying to show that they have this insane bond that she will be like, no, I will die rather than potentially leave him. But that's not smart. Hmm. Shall we do some random observations? So I know you're probably predicting this, but I have thoughts on the science. (laughs) There's no atmosphere on this planet. They make that clear point early on that there's no atmosphere, there's no air. What they're hearing is somehow this black hole. Cool, whatever. We don't know that. We don't know. Maybe they make noise. They make this point. Yeah. Anyway, whatever. Then (laughs) the first time that Toby goes outside and ends up killing the girl, he goes outside there's wind how is there wind on the planet if there's no air or atmosphere just saying that and also we can hear the sound of the wind going like i thought it was the black holes sucking him up trying to suck him up no and at the (laughs) end when they do the blasting out and then he's outside you can hear him going in space no you should also not hear the blasting actually exactly it's a vacuum there's no sound what is that is it gravity that doesn't have any sound the film gravity oh yeah 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 it does yeah intense yeah i know right and everyone was like all the everyone like all the scientists were like yeah because they're finally showing because like star wars is so annoying because like you because it's weird to watch it's... a film without sound like gravity gave me such motion sickness as well i think i saw it at the imax and i was like oh, oh God, this is a no. mistake you know my vista visage i can't hack it i can't hack roundabouts like no <laughs> oh. but but yeah no but it, you're right it's so unsettling because we need sound as this like orientation point right mm. i mean we don't need this obviously there's very many people who are deaf or hard of hearing but for a hearing person mm-hmm. this is how we orient ourselves right yeah, I don't know. It just takes me at the moment. Maybe I need to chill. I inevitably need to chill. There's another. Yeah. It reminds me of another film. I don't know if you've ever seen Moon. Duncan Jones. Moon. It's got Sam Rockwell. Oh in it. yes, they have. He's on the moon base. That's right. And yeah. Yeah, because that has that same kind of isolation and loneliness yeah, yeah, yeah. and unsettling vibe where you're like yeah. something's off, but you yeah. don't know what it is. Yeah. yeah. And also quite quiet. Yeah, because it's just him. Hmm. When Rose meets the Ood and she immediately asks them, you know, about their servitude and they say, we have nothing else. And she says, I used to think like that a long time ago. Like, she's got a real compulsion mm. to take up the working class cause. Like, the, yeah. she really associates and finds affinity with all those kinds of people, creatures, whatever. Mm. She's always trying to unionize everyone she meets, which is kind of lovely. It is. It is. I think that she, she feels a strong sense of right and wrong. Mm. And, I mean, also likes to kind of wade in sometimes so is very eager to go in there and be like hey no you're being mistreated what's happening and we've said this before like maybe she's there because the you know the doctor has this string of typically up until this point female companions because he wants that domestic angle like then yeah, last episode who keeps him soft yeah softer will. i know like he's so i made this actual joke today to my nesting partner that he typically he's pretty left of center but is more right than me and that I feel like he dates consistently left women to outsource his conscience. <laughs> and I think that the doctor does this, right? Like he has these kind of softer because it's the contrast to him being like, mm. oh, I'm actually above this because I've seen shit. Yeah. Uh, you know, in the grand scheme of things, no one actually really matters. Yeah. Because it veers very quickly into nihilism, which I think is what mm. you see with Torchwood, right? Like way more nihilistic show. 
a yeah. more aggressively atheist show as well, arguably. Yeah. But we got to talk to a drop on this episode. Yes, we did. Yeah. They're really laying it on thick with the Yeah, yeah they really are. Oh, actually, on that note, this episode opens with, Impossible Planet opens with, Dr. Ben patronising as fuck to humans, as always. Mm-hmm. Human beings, you are amazing. Yeah. Like, piss off. He treats them like little zoo animals in he a does, way. He does, but then he's always like, they're amazing, humans are incredible, their capacity for blah, blah, blah. And it's like, actually, dude, like... And he's hugging them just because he's pleased. You yeah, know, like... I know. There's a lot of hugs in this episode. He's a very tactile was... yeah. creature. Those hugs. I will say that Captain Zack is actually a good, like, level-headed authority figure. We haven't yeah. had many of those up until now. Mm. The leaders are usually terrible. Yeah. But he was actually just solid. I expected him to be really awful. Yeah. But he came through. So, you know, four for you, Captain Zack. Yeah, no, actually, that's a great point. And Ida, pretty decent too. Like, I mean, even though they were like, oh, yeah, just a bit of oxygen starvation or whatever it was. Like, she turns out are fine. They're like, okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, and then, like, miscellaneous security man. I think he did have a name for a bit. That guy who turns is a British actor who's yeah. turned up and everything. That guy. Yeah. <laughs> to be honest, like apart from Toby getting, you know, taken over and everyone being a bit shit to the ood, which you can kind of not justify but chalk up to like a cultural thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Everyone's actually kind of fine. Ethics Danny, I mean, at worst he's just a bit scared. Like yeah. no one's actually like there's no ban. Yeah. Like, no one's annoying or dumb or actively, like... Actively evil, right? Making no. bad decisions. Yeah, they're just, like, humans doing human things, so... Yeah, it was kind of cool. I will say the line, the beast and his armies will rise from the pit to make war against God is so metal. Yeah, so fucking metal. That beast is so metal, dude. Can you imagine, like... You know, it's, like, straight off a, like, Led Zeppelin 100%. album cover. <laughs> he's red. He's got horns. One of the horns is broken. Like, yeah. he's super buff. It's yeah. like, um, what is that? Best song in the world music video with yeah, Jack yeah, yeah. Black. Where Dave Grohl exactly. plays the devil, in fact. So, well, fun fact. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was one of my standout moments. But I really love that it was mostly practical effects in this episode. They're very little CGI, just for the black hole, really, and for the devil. And I think it held up pretty well, like because it's so much like practical on set. The ooze very practical. It's like actually, yeah. you know, it's not doesn't take you out of the moment, which is good because especially circa two thousand and six on the budget they had, mm. space is tricky like getting people to do i mean like and they didn't even you know the base has gravity because the planet has gravity yeah because they're in this gravity well thing like fine like with this very limited like no one does spacewalks or onto the planet's surface or yeah they just put tin in a a suit and send them down a hole even when what's her name from the witcher gets killed and she's floating outside like we're seeing a silhouette Mm. so they're not like doing high spec a high resolution CGI or anything, but pretty yeah, grim. Yeah, they do though. it well. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Grim time. Um, the lays of ancient Rome being quoted—that was quite a choice. Hmm. This whole ancient civilization vibe. Yeah, from the ashes of his father and the temples of his gods. Yeah, I kind of love that mm. whole ancient civilization thing. I love. Well, you know, you studied a ye oldie degree. <laughs> yeah, I did. But I love the idea that people just throughout well civilization have just created these monuments to random things and it's just something people feel compelled to do back to like when humans started walking upright basically yep. it's fascinating yeah and what did you say religious purpose if you don't know what an artifact is for oh yeah yeah 100 percent. not always like that would be all the time we'd be like ritual purposes everyone's <laughs> like don't know what this is what's it for ritual purpose it's probably like it's someone's fucking yeah like straight up that that used to that was like a joke when i was studying for sure because we don't know, like, there's, t- you know, most things you can take a pretty good stab, like, conceptually, from written sources, from where it was found, from who it was found with, like, all that stuff. But you don't know, and, like, especially in this episode, where, you know, uh, apparently this civilization exists before time. So if we're taking before time to be 
well, for humans, that would be before the formation of what we think is the Big Bang the universe. Yeah. But then maybe the Doctor has a different sense of that. How does he know? Like, mm. he maybe has a sense of universes before that. Who knows? But it's meant to be a really, really long time. Yeah, and I mean, they make the assumption that it's an ancient civilization when they go down and they see all these carvings and stuff. But I mean, it could be a tomb. Why does your assumption go that it's just like a, a city or something? Or like a jail, which is what it is. So, yeah. you know, I feel like it's weird that they just assume that it's... Yeah. I know, like, Parallel is exactly on Earth with the massive pyramids. These are tombs. Like, you put a lot of effort into monuments for the dead. Yeah. I, I think the general theme is don't mess with shit you don't know. Yeah, and I love that because... if you fuck around, you will find out. Yeah. I just think... I, th- I got so strong Shakespeare vibes from a lot of this stuff in a mm. way because like there's that line where you know he says is there no such thing tell me there's no such thing and I just made the note that like he can't because there are more things in heaven and hell than I dreamt of in your philosophy right mm. like you just don't know mm. you don't know what you know yeah and the doctor dropping into that pure black void fills me with dread like I hate that stuff like I can't Ooh. watch people do free diving or anything like no, that because no, it's just dude. like the worst I can't swim in the sea if there's like a drop off and it's really black Mm. and deep because I'm like what the fuck could be in there yeah you just don't know yeah it scares the shit out of me I do think it's funny how the orb the orb the orb the orb kills people with their orbs like yeah. death by orb so it's like a talking mm. orb we assume or like some yeah. sort of processing orb I don't know I feel like they have a lot of tech and they could like have like worked out a chip or a headband or something for them because they're constantly wasting a hand holding this orb like make a carrier there could be like a chest mounted yeah like a gopro like a chest mounted orb carrier yeah we hat with an orb atop it helmet orb it's very especially for people who are there literally to like do tasks they're sparing a hand this whole time holding this like dumb light orb it's very inefficient you're right yeah nightlight orb I thought it was yeah nightlight orb but yeah it ends up being like a kind of it reminds me of um oh what's that called the upright stick game with the tennis ball on the th- <laughs> string and you whack it around. Yeah. Swing ball. Swing ball. Yes. I used to play swing ball by hours by myself. I was an only child. Spoiler, everyone. Cute. So I would just play with myself with the swing ball. It was quite good. Me and my best friend at uni met this random dude at Uh-oh. a different college's, <laughs> at a different college's um, dinner one night. And he was ridiculously posh. And like for my uni to say like posh is the baseline, like he was like ridiculous. His name was Maximilian, of course. Anyway, he told us a story about how he comes from money or whatever, but specifically his dad invented swing ball. No. I know. So we called him Swing Ball Max. And then like kind of vaguely like moved in different social circles, but kind of like came across him a wee bit. For the next like two chuffing years, finally got to like where we had a proper conversation with him, again a little bit drunk. Two years later it came up in topic, like in conversation, the topic of swing ball. He was like, what are you talking about? We were like, you know, you told us. And he was like, what? That's 100% a lie. <laughs> For two years, we called him Swing Ball Max. And he didn't think to ask why. <laughs> no. And then he'd like, when he was fucking in his cups two years ago, he like made up this story that his dad invented swing ball. It's like Romeo and Michelle's <laughs> high school union reunion when they make up being the inventors of poster. Yeah, exactly. That was swing ball. Jesus fucking Christ. I was, yeah, gonna, I, I, like, I was gonna, what's reality? Is everything a lie? I mean, the doctor asked that, doesn't he? You know, yeah, if this yeah. is the original, does that make it real? What is real? Ooh. Um, yeah. I'm um, sad that, that well, he wasn't actually the inventor of swing ball. I, I had a lot of follow-up questions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I know. No, I think he was just generic, posh, rich. I know, it was sad. Um, so, standout moments. So, my standout moment, definitely just Tim's final confrontation with the Beast. Yeah. I kind of just love that moment. 
where he's just facing this thing and well, he's actually in conversation with himself like he's yeah. talking himself through his beliefs and trying to get to the point I think that's great another great moment of Tennant's acting you know he's just mm. a standout dude and I really appreciate it I love his like the attitude of Ten this whole episode where he's like yeah I don't know but that's fine yeah, like yeah. I said um, I also yeah I love that moment where Creepy Toby reveals himself to be Ood yeah. It's just a great moment of tension and the audience knowing something that the rest of the people don't know because we know he's possessed and no one else does. So yeah. that's that's quite a nice little twist, like that horror movie twist. So yeah, that was a standout for me. What about you? So completely agree with your first one. Doctor talking to the beast at the end. It's mm. a great monologue. And it even it was giving me like Shakespearean soliloquy vibes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Except that the beast is the audience. And he can't talk back. Yeah, and he can't talk back, but he can kind of like smirky writhe. But yeah, great acting. Head and shoulders. Like David Tennant is such a good actor. Billy Piper's good, but she's not David Tennant. Like, no. It's kind of... I mean, I know he does a heap of other stuff, and, like, is it offensive of me to say that it's a bit of a waste in Doctor Who, but... No, that's how I feel about Tom Hiddleston as Loki. Like, I love him yeah. as Loki, but I'm always like, man, I want to see what else you can do, because he's, he's got yeah. the range, you know? And they, he's, Marvel has just trapped him. Yeah, it really has. Did you see The Night Manager? Yes. It was, like, before he got into Marvel. No, oh, it was during... Oh. Oh, it was 2016. Yeah. True. Because he was really young when he did the first Thor, and it was like a big deal because I mean, everyone was like, who is Chris Hemsworth and who is this Tom Hiddleston yeah. guy? And why is this happening? I forget how fucking long it's been. It's been a lifetime. Let's Google. When does... So I think Avengers came out 2012 because I watched it with my boyfriend at the time. He will remain nameless. <laughs> he's not listening. I mean, he's not dead. Like, <laughs> he's he not... might be listening. Sophie That's killed unlikely. her. <laughs> No one check under my patio. Um, yeah, the first Thor came out in 2011. Fuck off, did it? Yeah. What? Yeah. When did the first Avengers come out? I thought it was... I thought... Thor, Thor was... It went Iron Man? Oh, Thor. Thor came out before Avengers. Captain... Uh, Iron Man. Oh, maybe OG mm. Captain America. Um. Yeah, hang on. I need to know now. So, ooh, where's the release order? <laughs> I must know. It was Iron Man definitely first. Yeah, tw- 2008. Because I remember watching 2008? that. 2008? Oh my god, so long ago. That's the first Iron Man. Yes. Iron Man, The Incredible Hulk. Iron Man 2, Thor, then Captain America, and then The Avengers. Oh, damn. Okay, so the first Thor came out in 2011. Mm. Whoa, Chris Hemsworth would have been a baby. That's 11 years ago. Yeah, and you can really tell when you look at them now. Oh, cute. Yeah. But yeah, so, yeah, I just think, you know. He's not, we're not getting, I mean, Loki's great. Watch the TV series if no one's watched it on Disney+. Plus. Therapy, the TV show, as yeah. I like to call it. <laughs> it's fantastic. But no, we're not getting him. You know, you, you get the sense of him being still very limited and, and like, I feel like he's yeah. put a lot into that character like, oh yeah another actor I think would not have made nah. the, the character as compelling as he has but in a way I'm kind of like you know give him something meaty yeah well who knows who knows what he's doing there maybe in his dad era he will he'll branch out he'll, you know he's made his money like, that he is take very some risks. true yeah he can take some risks which I hope is like like the James McAvoy space now yeah like he's made his money take some risks Same do the Jackson. weird things do that do the, do the Daniel Radcliffe and the Elia Wood. Get your franchise money and then just yeah, do yeah. really weird projects that Basically. don't make any sense. <laughs> we love you for it, Dan Rad. Oh, Never change, you little yeah. chaos human. <laughs> cool. So yeah, totally agree. That was one of my ones. That monologue. Mm. Fantastic. My other one, and this is, again, your point, uh, very practical effects mm-hmm. in this episode. How any time there is a shaky thing... That set's not moving. That is a <laughs> shaky camera. And they're all like, whoa! The Star whoa. Trek effect. Yeah, 100%. It's a shaky camera and it's them going, wah! Wah! Hold on to a desk! Wah! Strap yourselves in. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that gave me, like, yeah, really strong 1960s Star Trek vibes. I was into it. 
Like, I love it. You can. Ha- I like Doctor Who, especially in this era, where you have that juxtaposition between, compared to the calibre of the acting and the themes they kind of tap into, it's low budget. Mm. And so you have these like really budgety moments, which can kind of come across as corny, but then that's like slap bang into really kind of intense themes in nominally a children's show with some great acting. And so, yeah, it's kind of chaotic. I like it. And I hope that that... I'm worried that that tone will go with, with big Disney budget. money. Yeah. So then they're suddenly going to go to big budget. Maybe they'll attract... I mean, I want to say real actors because there's a decent lot of acting talent, but you know what I mean. Like... Yeah. Yeah. Big name actors. Yeah. HBO. Kind know? of level. Yeah. That kind of TV show sci-fi-y. And that's like not the vibe. I hope it just means they have more money to spend on spray paint and plumbing bits. Yeah. So that we continue... Is that a whisk feel. attached to a Dalek? It is, and he will kill you. And plunge you. Yeah. And somehow that's scary. I'll plunge you, a whiskey on a hover over you. <laughs> squash you down. Yeah, literally. Great. Love it. Um, yeah, no, I'd hope that that budget, like, yeah, like you're saying, 99% goes to prosthetics. Because, like, I mean, still, we see a lot of human-shaped aliens. Mm. Like, let's branch away from that. Let's have, like, amorphous blob hover things yeah i mean the blobs haven't been that great in the past but maybe with more money yeah oh my god the blob og blob the one in the the, the fire blob and then the ceiling blob, <laughs> the same the blob blobs. Just it's the same blob he's just like they've just color picked <laughs> and they, flipped it yeah basically and then one had chris eccleston staring and shouting the other one had simon Pegg looking scared like <laughs> it's the same blob he's he's got a lot of range <laughs> he's a great blob who is that is. Blob? <laughs> if yeah. you need a blob I'm for your credited. <laughs> Cameo Blob. Hope to see you soon. <laughs> Love you, Blob. Yeah. Never change. So yeah, more Blobs. Yeah. More gas cloud aliens. Yeah, yeah, anything that's not like a human in... I mean, what the Ood? The Ood had an interesting face, but other than that, they're like... Bipedal. And like wearing a janitor overall, mm. and they're all just like men that they found over the same height. <laughs> It's the Lord of the Rings effect where they're like, we need every person in New Zealand of a certain height to be yeah, an elf. Yeah, basically. It's like, if you were over six foot, they were basically just kidnapping you off the street yeah. to be in this film. Like, we'll put you in a bad wig, but it's okay because you're at a distance. And if you are under five foot five, you're definitely a hobbit. <laughs> uh, yeah. Great. Okay, perfect. Cool. So, um, <laughs> next week, we're watching episode 10, Love and Monsters. Which I think is also a film I saw relatively recently on oh, Netflix. Okay, interesting. With, what's his name from the Maze Runner? Oh, Dylan O'Brien. Dylan O'Brien. Yeah, it's actually not well that bad. Thing. It's a kind of dystopian future, monstery. It's actually quite entertaining. Um, yeah, so next week we'll watch that. Not that, but the Doctor Who episode, Love and Monsters. Mm-hmm. And let us know your thoughts on this episode, on anything. Generally, honestly anything. By emailing atonisofonezone at gmail.com or find us on Twitter, whilst it still exists. Still alive. And Instagram. Check out the show notes for links. I mean, it's probably not going to be a lot. This was all off our own top Bye. of our heads. Vibes. Jen's bedroom. Yeah. This is high vibes, low science. Great. Do yeah, stuff. I mean, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Okay. Bye. Bye. Love you guys. Bye.